Ever wonder about questions that don't seem to have solid answers? Like if God is so good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Or why should we trust the Bible and who wrote it anyway? Maybe you found the answers, but they didn't fully satisfy you. Well, welcome to Straight from the Bible, where you can find real answers from God's Word. Give us a call if something's on your heart. You can call us right now at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. You can also text or WhatsApp your questions to 671-686-9999. And now, straight from the Bible with Pastor Masi Ideon. Half a day and good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Masik Ideon, and I'm blessed to have my good friend Jonathan joining us today, co-hosting with me. But before we go into the study of God's Word, we always begin with prayer, for He really is the only one who can give us answers from His Word. Let's pray together. O oh, loving Father, we thank You so much for Your great goodness and Your great love, and O oh, Lord, for the opportunity to come again and to search the Scriptures and to ask questions and, Lord, to find answers in Your Word. May the answers, O oh, Lord, not simply uh, satisfy our curiosity, but may it lead us closer to Christ. This is our prayer, dear Lord, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good afternoon. I'm here with my good friend, Jonathan, and our other co-host, Scotty, today. Uh, we did have some questions that come in, but before we do, we want to answer the question that we weren't able to have time to answer last time. And the question last time, Jonathan, that they asked right before the, the, the cutoff was, is gambling a sin? Hmm. Is gambling a sin? So we're going to look at the Bible and, and see what the Bible says regarding gambling. Uh, well, well, the word gambling itself doesn't appear in the scriptures. Uh, the principle of, of it that the Bible does warn against is the love of money. It's getting rich quick. It's, uh, it's covetousness. It's wanting to be wealthy right away. Those are really some of the things that the Bible really warns us against. Let's go to the book of Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. And Jonathan, when you get there, maybe you could read it. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Proverbs 13, 11. And the question is, is gambling a sin? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Um, I am reading from the King James Version. Uh, Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Okay. So wealth gathered by vanity, if you're just scraping along, trying to get rich right away, uh, this is something the Bible really does not uh, speak well about. And let's look at it again at another place in Scripture, in Proverbs chapter 20, I believe it's 28, verse 20. And this is kind of the main text that we would use to, to show the, the danger of it. And it says in Proverbs 28, verse 20, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Mm -hmm. And so there is a danger that the Bible speaks about when it comes to the great desire for wealth. And actually, when you look at the book of Timothy, uh, Paul counsels us that it's not so much, well, you heard of the phrase, uh, money is the root of all evil. Well, that's actually a misquote from the Bible. It actually says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And that, of course, is, is covetousness. And covetousness, of course, would be the, the 10th commandment. And so the Bible does uh, speak against it. And the reason why is, you know, we, God wants us to have a sense of satisfaction and contentment knowing that he provides for all of our need. The Bible says, uh, godliness, uh, con godliness with contentment is great gain. So if you're able to have enough uh, and be happy with it, uh, then that's really where your heart should be. It should be constantly striving. I believe it was Henry Ford, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was Henry Ford. They had asked him, uh, how much money, how much more money would you have until you finally think you've had enough? And his response was, just a little bit more. <laughs> just a little bit more. Incredible. And so really, uh, the, the Bible really, the, the principle of it is covetousness. So wealth in and of itself is not a, uh, is not a, um, a bad thing. Uh, the Bible says that, you know, God gives us the ability to be able to, to gain wealth, but not 
gain wealth to gratify our own desires and satisfy our own um, uh, life longing, but really to be able to help other people and to use them, of course, uh, in the cause of God. That's a great question that was asked last week. We just wanted to be sure that we answer that question before we move on. Okay. Uh, Brother Scotty, any other questions for today? Yes, we do. We have a question that just came in and reads, what is John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21? Okay, let's look at that together. Uh, Jonathan, maybe you can read that when we get there. And that's John chapter 3, 19 through 21. John chapter 3, 19 through 21. John is the last book of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 3, 19 through 21. Could you read that for us? Sure. Uh, John chapter 3, 19 to 21 from King James, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, and his deeds, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Okay, great question. So John chapter 3 is the discussion that uh, Jesus has with Nicodemus. And uh, if you look at verse 19, uh, where it says that light cometh into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Well, who is the great light that came into the world? Jesus. It was Jesus, of course. Jesus is the light of the world. Now, it says when he came into the world, those who uh, those who love, sorry, and men love darkness rather than light because your deeds were evil. When Jesus, the light of the world, came into the world and he began to minister all around um, uh, the area, were there people that were kind of turned off or they found him an annoying or a problem? And the answer is yes. And it wasn't because Jesus was doing anything wrong. It's because Jesus was doing things that were right that they themselves should have been doing, but they didn't want to admit that they were in error. And I'm specifically talking about the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus himself is talking to a religious leader. In fact, Nicodemus is coming in the evening uh, because, of course, he wouldn't want to be seen talking to Jesus during the day because Nicodemus is supposedly a, a man of the scriptures. And for him to come to a carpenter uh, for wisdom, that wouldn't have looked good. But uh, Jesus was drawing him. He did have a heart to to know and to, to seek after truth. And uh, Jesus was basically telling him that it is natural, that if we are living wrong and there's pride in the heart, when truth comes, we want to shy away from it. We want to, mm -hmm. because it exposes uh, our darkness. And yet the beautiful promise in verse 21 is this, but he that does truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought or made in God. So it says that those who do truth, whether they be people that are struggling with sins and yet they have a desire to, to know truth and to do truth, uh, the Bible says uh, they would come to the light and uh, their good works will be made known as well. I think of people like Matthew. Matthew was a publican, really had a bad reputation, and yet he had a desire uh, for truth. And, of course, Christ uh, called him. And then yeah, I think of Zacchaeus, also a tax collector. And yet um, he also had a desire for truth. And Jesus said to him, uh, come down because I'm going to your house today. And uh, that that's something that the religious leader should have been doing, reaching out to people that people didn't reach out to. And that annoyed them because it only reminded them of, their hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. So, great question. Any other thoughts to add to that, uh, Jonathan? I think you covered it very well. Amen. All right, Scotty, anything else? Any other that would come in today? We'd love, be able, happy to, by God's grace, answer the questions. And, and of course, if you'd like to, ha please, if you'd like to give us a call or ask a question, uh, give us a call if you're in Guam on 671-472-1111. That's 671-472-1111. If you're in the CNMI, the beautiful Saipan, Tinian, and Rhoda, you can call us at 
323-1113. That's 670-323-1113. Or you can text on text us on WhatsApp or Signal, and you're free from the CNMI. Text us at 671-686-9999, 671-686-9999. Or go to our Facebook page, which is at JoyFM Radio. Uh, on our Facebook page and leave us a question in the comment section. Okay, what's our next question for today, Brother Scotty? I almost forgot to turn this on. Okay, <laughs> and we're back. Our question for today, this is dealing with the Exodus. The, um, the, the question's about the Pharaoh's daughter, the one that found Moses, did she leave in the Exodus? And if so, what was her name changed to? Well, that's a beautiful question. Uh, I, I like that question. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter, the one that uh, drew Moses out of the water, uh, you know, w- did she ever leave during the Exodus when, of course, the Israelites came out of, of Egypt? You know, the answer is the Bible doesn't say. Uh, we do know that God in his wonderful mercy used her to be able to, to rescue Moses and, and actually name him Moses. Uh, Moses, of course, uh, the name means to draw out or drawn out. Uh, the Bible doesn't say whether or not she did leave along with uh, the Israelites when they when they came out. It would be nice to think so, and it would be nice to you know to, to know to think that she would also be in heaven as well. Uh, but no, there's not enough information that we can see in the Bible uh, where we can uh, say straight from the Bible that yes, she did come out during the Exodus when the Israelites came out. Of Egypt and uh, and and no, the Bible doesn't even mention what her name is. It just simply says uh, the daughter of Pharaoh. Oh, so she, so she was, uh, you know, in all sense of the word, a princess uh, in Egypt. And so, the great question. Thank you so much for asking that question. And uh, you know, we'll wait when we get to heaven to find out. I think that's the uh, the best answer we can give. All right, so please give us a call or send us uh, a text or write, uh, you know, send us an email. Uh, you can even email your Bible questions at Bible at joyfmradio.net. That's Bible at joyfmradio.net. Okay? And uh, once again, you can go to our Facebook page. That's at joyfmradio. And you can leave a question or a comment in the comment section. Nice. Thank you for answering that question, Pastor. Okay, here's our other question that came in. When we make it to heaven, will will we be able to recognize each other or we won't know each other? Oh, great question. Uh, That's a really good question. When we get to heaven, will we be able to recognize each other and will we be able to know one another? Uh, Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and the Bible says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me see. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. Uh, Paul says, uh, I will know others just as much as they also know me today. And so how do we know for a fact that when we get to heaven, we'll be able to recognize each other? Well, a very simple one, the Bible says it right here, that we will know others as they themselves will also know us. But the greatest example is, uh, is Jesus. When Jesus resurrected, the disciples recognized him in the way that he looked, in how he spoke, in his mannerisms. So he resurrected in his uh, glorified form, so in his his glorified eternal body. And so even in his resurrected glorified form, they recognized him and they knew him as their beloved Messiah. And likewise, when we get to heaven, when we then are are resurrected when Christ comes, or when we are alive, rather, when Christ comes as well, and uh, and those who are also asleep in Jesus when they are resurrected, uh, they will we will be glorified, made new. The Bible says we'll have a glorious body like Jesus, a glorified body, and we will also be able to know one another as we ourselves are known. So no fear, uh, you, you're going to be able to recognize your family, your friends, 
And uh, but you know what, what Jonathan is? Everybody's going to be perfect. I don't know what perfection looks like. It's hard to imagine it. But did you know that I read somewhere that you know the human face right now? I know you look at you know people that you think are are very beautiful or very symmetrical. Uh, they found that nobody in this world really has a perfect face. Mm. Nobody. There's some. Uh, you know, there's something off on the face. You know, it's not completely symmetrical, and so uh, you know, even these fashion models, you know, on the catwalk, mm-hmm. you know, they, they make people may think they have a perfect face, but uh, if you even examine closely, maybe take a ruler, or I don't know, whatever you use to measure, <laughs> it's you'll still find there's an imbalance somewhere. You know, maybe maybe an eyebrow is higher or lower than the other, something like that. And so, can you imagine when we finally get to heaven, all of our scars are gone? Um, all of our whatever physical sicknesses or handicaps are gone. We'll have perfect skin, perfect vision, perfect everything. It's difficult to imagine that, mm-hmm. but it, it's going to be real. And uh, I'm so glad that we'll still be able to recognize each other uh, when that happens. Uh, so, yes, uh, thank you so much for the question. Uh, we'll be able to uh, recognize each other when we do get into the kingdom. Our next question for today is, why can't Christians purchase from sundown to sundown? Okay, great. Uh, Why can't Christians purchase from sundown to sundown? Great question. Uh, Let's see. Jonathan, maybe you could read Exodus chapter... uh, Exodus chapter 20. I believe it is verse 8 through 11. All right, Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Okay, excellent. Any thoughts on that, Jonathan? It reminds me of a story, uh, I believe, when they were rebuilding the Temple of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some people who were buying and selling on uh, on the Sabbath day. Yes. And uh, he told them, he actually specified that it was it was a sin. Mm-hmm. It, yes, yeah, exactly. Um now, as as far as why it's a sin, I'm thinking it has something to do with, uh, you know, we are, it's a day that's holy. It's, mm-hmm. it's set apart from, like, earthly work. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know what verse this is, but you might know it. It describes everything that's in the world, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, yes. and the pride of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so the desires of the eyes and the desires of the flesh. Whenever you go to the store, that's what you're going to buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it puts you into a mindset, an earthly mindset. And I just believe that it's better to have a heavenly mindset so that we can, uh, you know, draw closer to God. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. You know, when you look at Exodus chapter 20, what Jonathan just read, this is the, the fourth commandment. And the fourth commandment, of course, is the only commandment where God begins with the word, remember. Now, you know, Jonathan, people tell you to remember because you either may forget or so that you don't forget. Mm-hmm. And so obviously God... Uh, looking down the stream of time to where we are today, he knew that at some point you and I would probably forget mm-hmm. or we would need some reminding in case we got confused. Uh, what, what day should we you know, keep the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, as Jonathan read, uh, it is important as you keep the commandments only by the grace of God that this gives you really a heavenly mindset and heavenly attitude. Uh, and let's look at it together once more. If you look at verse 9, verse 8, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the word holy means set apart, meaning um, it's not to be used for common use or casual use. It's something that, something that's set apart to be looked at a little bit differently uh, than, than anything else. And really, uh, the word holy in the Bible is used to, uh, to, to describe how things are dedicated to God and really for God's use and God's purpose. So the seventh day really is like any other day. And it was like any other day until God made it holy and God made mm-hmm. it a special day. And then he teaches us kind of how to keep it. And let's look at verse uh, verse 9. So 
first we recognize in verse 8 that it is a Sabbath and it is holy, that we should not treat it like any other day. And so we should not uh, do on that day what would be kind of a normal convenience or, uh, you know, thing that you would do on any other day. Mm -hmm. And if you look at verse 9, it says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all whose work? Thy work. Thy work, your work. So whatever you need to get done throughout the week, you, you have six days in the whole week to get that done. And so you're laboring, you're shopping, you're doing whatever it is. If you do need to get stuff from the store, you know, go right ahead and get it. And the question is, why would is God so particular about even going to the store or doing something that the word is secular that people would use today? And uh, here's the answer. Uh, verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. So God says, you don't do it. Don't let anyone in your home do it. Uh, even let your animals rest. Mm -hmm. And don't even let anybody who is a stranger, who is either living with you, uh, even if whether they believe or not, because they're living in your home, let them honor the Sabbath because they're residing in your home. However... If you go outside of your home and you're basically asking the cashier or asking somebody else uh, to do something for you on the Sabbath, well, now you're making them mm -hmm. not keep the Sabbath. And so not only is, was it, is it bad for you, but now you've made it also bad for them. Mm -hmm. And so you've kind of indirectly made this person uh, you know, break God's law without even realizing it. But what makes us more guilty is that we know and they don't know. So really the Bible says that it's uh, those who don't know that have less guilt and, and, and do wrong than those who know and do the wrong itself. That's right. And so uh, the caution is for us to, the principle is for us to remember that this particular day is God's special day, that we ought to spend time with him and worship him, and that we've made all the preparations ahead of time so that we could have our full focus and love and attention on God on that day. If you were going to meet the president or the governor or an emperor and uh, they gave you a week to get ready for it, you wouldn't get ready for it, you know, on the day they're supposed to meet him. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. And so if we would not do that for an earthly ruler, then why can't we do that for a heavenly ruler? Mm, and, amen. Yeah. And of course, the motive of it is love. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then, of course, you have uh, times of necessity. Mm -hmm. Now... When it comes to things like um, uh, doctors, nurses, you know, these are healthcare providers who have to relieve uh, stress or, um, sorry, not relieve stress, yeah, relieve stress and pain and suffering on the Sabbath. And is that allowed? And the answer is yes. Amen. That's actually allowed. And so uh, I know of a case of a, um, of a man, of course, who was wanted to give, who heard about a family that was really hungry on the Sabbath. And he went to his house to try to find enough food to give them a presentable basket of food, but he just did not have any. And so what he did then is he went ahead and he went and he bought some food specifically for them because they were really hungry. Uh, now, of course, that was a different case because you're relieving suffering and somebody yeah. was in great need. So the principle of it is love to God and really making sure you're preparing yourself throughout the week in order to spend time with him uh, to the very best that you can. Well, that's the sound of our, of our halfway mark. And so we'll come right back after this break with a few more questions and answers uh, straight from the Bible. Thank you. This is Max McLean. What are some ways to express our gratitude for God's great salvation? Listen to the Bible from Ephesians 5. 
be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. From Ephesians 5, listen to the Bible. It's great for the soul. Hear more at radiobible.org. That's radiobible.org. Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. Call right now with your Bible question in Guam, it's 472-1111. In the Sinai, it's 323-1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at joyfmradio.net, submit them online at joyfmradio.net, or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us now for the second half of Straight from the Bible. And welcome back to Stray from the Bible. This is Pastor Masik, and I'm here with my dear friend Jonathan, and we're having a blessed time going through the scriptures together. Uh, Scotty, any other questions coming in? Please, if you have any questions, give us a call or give us a text or even go to our Facebook page and leave us a question in the comment section. Yes, we do. When we're on a break, a phone call call, called in, and we had an anonymous caller about, can we elaborate a little bit on... um, the sundown from sundown and where can we find that in the bible absolutely so the the sundown to sundown comes from when god created uh god created the the world and so john if you can look for that text it says from even to even i believe it's in ezra or ezekiel and i'm going to go ahead and look at um uh genesis chapter one let's see okay Genesis chapter 1. So when God created the world, uh, it's really interesting because uh, the way that we, well, the way that God created the world, a day began uh, at nighttime. It really began at sunset. So sunset to sunset was a full day. Now, people today, they think, uh, well, a new day begins at midnight. Right. Well, that, that actually came much later on. Uh, but it actually, originally, it was always... Uh, sunset to sunset. Let's look at it together. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, uh, let's see, chapter 1, verse 5, and it says, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And so that phrase, in the evening and the morning, uh, were the first day. And as God continues on to, to do his work of creation, uh, it, it, it's, it repeats it. And so a day, the way that God created it, really began in the evening. And so I'll give you an example. Uh, for the Sabbath, the Sabbath began on what we would call today Friday night because a full day began in the evening. I know that can seem kind of confusing, but that's just the way that it originally was, the way that God uh, did it in the Bible. And so the reason why we celebrate it f- the Sabbath from evening to evening or from even to even, the Bible says, is because uh, a day began from the evening, the, the dark part uh, of the, what we would call the night before, until the sunset of, of the, the next day. And that's what's considered a full day. So and once again, the Sabbath, that's why we, the Sabbath is celebrated on the sunset of Friday night. And although it's Friday night, uh, that dark part of Friday night all the way to the day part of Saturday is considered one whole day. And so this is the reason why uh, we celebrate the Sabbath, as the Bible says, from evening to evening. And if you look at the, I think one of the largest groups of Sabbath keepers uh, in the world, uh, maybe probably the original group of Sabbath keepers in the world, is the, the Jewish nation. Now, the Jewish nation, uh, they understand this very well. They celebrate the Sabbath from Friday night to uh, sunset Saturday, or sunset Friday to sunset Saturday night. And so I hope that helps a little bit. And that's, that's really where we get the, the concept of from evening 
to evening shall we keep the Sabbath. And it comes from uh, Genesis chapter 1. You'll find that phrase again, in the evening and the morning, in the evening and the morning were the first day, and the evening and the morning was the second day. Uh, it doesn't say and, and the day and the evening, it says in the evening and the morning. I hope that helps. Uh, I hope that helps. And if not, please, you know, you give us a call back or uh, text us and we'll be happy to elaborate a little bit further. Jonathan, were you able to find it by any chance? I'm still Let me looking. See. Let me see if I can find it. That text is in, it says in from even to even. Let me see if I can find it. And so uh, that's really why we celebrate it from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. Uh, it's because that's really the way that uh, the way that God intended when He uh, created the the days of the week, and this is why. Um, uh, let me see. Yeah, sorry, I just wanted to elaborate on that. That's exactly the way that it is. It's sunset to sunset was one full day. Oh boy, we'll keep on looking for that Bible text. And then we'll come right back to your question. We'll keep on looking for it while we answer the question. And we really appreciate uh, the caller and your question. We really appreciate it. Okay, we can go on to our next question while we're looking for that one particular text. It's, go ahead, go ahead, Scott. Go yes, right we will. Our next question would be, what is the biblical way of teen dating? Okay. Biblical <laughs> <laughs> way of teen dating. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great question. I... I'm, I'm I'm not laughing because it's it's a funny question. I'm right, right. I'm, I'm laughing because it's um, uh, the Bible way is the Bible way was not the way that it's done today. Oh, so that I that's see. why I'm laughing. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's hard to. I'm laughing because I have teens, and yeah. this is a great question. <laughs> it is a great question. L- let me give you the short answer. Um. And when it comes to the Bible, you follow the principle of it. And so dating, and the way that dating is kind of practiced today, uh, is not something that uh, was practiced uh, during the time of Christ, uh, nor something that is really practiced uh, in the Bible. Um, Whenever you got into a serious relationship, or at least you had somebody, well, I'll say it like this, uh, the only real time that you that you were going to be serious with a person of the opposite gender, a man or a woman, was in preparation to be married or to see uh, if this is where the Lord was leading you both. Now, during the time, um, the early time of the Bible, uh, they had, of course, arranged marriages. But these kinds of arranged marriages weren't forced. Uh, you know, the, the children were, were raised to understand that their parents knew them the best and if their parents were godly, God-fearing men and women, that they would want their children to also be uh, married to people that have the same faith and uh, love for God. A classic example is Abraham. You know, Isaac would have been around, I believe he was either 30, in his 30s or 40s, uh, when he got married. And with, with Isaac, uh, Abraham was so worried, and he didn't want... Uh, Isaac to take a bride from the you know the women where he was because he was worried about their spirituality these were not women that were um, that would kind of ennoble or help his son in his spiritual walk and in serving God and so he had to talk to his um, his servant I believe it's uh, Eliezer and he made him vow a vow to please go and, and be able to go to another place where he had family and kindred, and he would seek a bride from, from that, uh, that part of the, the country. And so he did, and he was able to find a godly woman. And it was a godly woman that God himself had led Eliezer to. Uh, when we read about the story, she was very hardworking. Uh, she was so thoughtful of Eliezer, and uh, he knew that this was God's sign. And so when uh, Eliezer brought her back, uh, to to uh, Isaac, of course, that's uh, you know they got married. So that's an example of an arranged marriage that was done under the wise, God-fearing advice of the parents. So uh, for young people, for any kind of 
you know, I think if you're really going to look for a life partner, it would be very important to, if, if you have godly parents or if you have people that are very godly that you can talk to and seek counsel from, I would really encourage you to be able to, to do that and seek counsel from them. And of course, the best counsel is the Bible itself. Amen. Now, teen dating, um, Jonathan, any thoughts on, on teen dating? I'm going to say more, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you share something as well. <laughs> Brother Scott's laughing in there because he asked me this question earlier and my answer was don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and But I, I have a, I mean, I have a couple of Bible verses sure, to support please. it. But uh, I think this can be pretty well supported just based off of uh, logic. Um, the purpose of dating, like you said earlier, is to get married. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that a teenager can have any f- sort of appreciation for what they're getting into until they have fully grown up. Because Absolutely, that yeah. at that point, the uh, their parents are no longer responsible for them. And so you can't truly know what it takes to be a parent until you're 20 years old. And mm-hmm. you're you or maybe even older. You finish yeah. college, yeah. And, and you look back on your life, and you're like, it's a lifelong commitment. And uh, you know, naturally, this is what happens when you get married. Uh, you know, you're gonna eventually have kids. Yeah, absolutely. So unless you take uh, serious medical precautions. Yeah. You know, as you were sharing that, what comes to my mind uh, that you, you kind of touched on is uh, you know growth. You know, yeah. really, uh, like Jonathan said. And and when you're young, it's really hard to to understand this because even I myself, I heard it, mm-hmm. but it was hard to really understand it. I understand it now because I've I've reached that that age where I can finally understand it. And that is when you're growing, you're still you're still growing not only physically but also mentally. Mm-hmm. And so, really, the if I'm not mistaken, the brain or the frontal lobe rather. And the frontal lobe is really where your analytical skills, your thinking skills, your judgment uh, ability, uh, that's where it really really operates at. Mm-hmm. And I believe they said that that finally finishes developing, I think when you're around 25 or 30, yeah, something along 25. 25, yeah. yeah. But I think they recently came out and said it was like possibly by 30 too. Yeah. So. I, I kind of, I'm more for 30 because, you know, I, yeah. I think I kind of <laughs> knew more about what, what to do in life after 30. Yeah. But, uh, and, and there's a principle there. The way that, you know, the way that um, the media kind of continues to encourage young people now is to follow your feelings, mm-hmm. yeah, to follow your heart, as, as mm-hmm. they say. And that's really not very wise advice. In fact, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Mm-hmm. We can't even know our own hearts. And so who you are when you're 13, who you are when you're 18 and who you are when you're 25 and who you are when you're 30 or 40, you're going to be a different person with different experiences Mm -hmm. at all those different ages in life. And so you may think that you're deeply in love when you're like, you know, 11 or 12 or Mm. 10 or nine. And you'll find that give it a few months or a few years, you no longer have those strong feelings anymore. You don't really think about that way anymore. Now it's somebody else. And it takes time for uh, the mind and the character to really develop in order for us to be, to be a, a safe person for someone else to enter into a relationship with. Mm. Because if not, um, what happens then is you'll either stifle your own growth or you'll stifle the growth of the other person. And you might end up in what they call a codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll find that... Um, uh, you're missing out on a lot of growth opportunities because you're you're not married and you're not really engaged and you're just kind of you know you're just kind of dating but we're not really serious and um, and that's why the Bible it never really encourages that mm. uh, really the only time that people uh, were really I guess I would even use the word dating or courting was when they were really getting ready uh, to prepare themselves to be married mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, that was often uh, that was often the safest way. I know other cultures do it do it differently, uh, but from just what I can see from from the scriptures, from the scriptures, uh, that's that's kind of what I would say. One, I would say you know be okay to wait. You know, the be, de- definitely yeah. be okay to wait. I know uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, genuinely loving a person for who they are and appreciating them. Um, 
And of course, you know, some marriages, of course, did begin when they were very young, but those are really the exceptions rather than the norm. That's true. So, you know, I would, the Bible would really caution. I would caution, you know, grow as a person and uh, grow in your relationship with God. And I'm going to say this, trust me, when you put God first and when that time comes, God will send you the right person. That's right. The and Bible says the bi- uh, a, a good <laughs> wife right is from the Lord. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Jonathan. That's somewhere in Proverbs. Um, and, you know, when you read um, Genesis, I believe it's Genesis chapter 2, when God created um, Adam, and Adam then began to have a longing in his heart, or I shouldn't say that, but he, Adam began to wonder, uh, everybody else, uh, all the animals that I'm naming have a male and a female, but I don't have a partner or a counterpart. There's no other me. Like, I'm the only person. And what's incredible is I don't know whether God, well, I don't know whether Adam asked God, Lord, is there anybody for me? Or if Adam just began to feel that maybe, you know, there's kind of an imbalance here somewhere. And then God put him to sleep. I don't know whether he asked God or God just put him to sleep when he had that desire. And if you read the Genesis, it says that, uh, that when Adam woke up, it says that God and then the Lord brought the woman to the man. So the question is, when God created Adam, who was the first person Adam really be- learned to love? It was God. His was the first face mm. that he ever saw. And now for Eve, who was the very first face that Eve ever saw and ever loved? It was also God himself. Amen. And it was once they were both in love with their maker and savior that God then brought them together. And God is still able to do that today. I think there's a line that says, um, when God writes your love story, and you want that to be the case. Definitely. Um, That proverb was found, uh, Proverbs 19, verse 14. Oh, could you please read it for us? uh, House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Uh, A prudent wife is a wise wife, an intelligent wife, uh, a good wife. Thank you so much. Great question. I hope that helped to, to answer your question, dear friend, you know, regarding teen dating. You know, we understand some of the challenges that come with it and uh, just from some of the experiences that we, we both had and uh, that we, and the counsel that the Bible gives, it would be safe to uh, leave it in God's hands and grow in your relationship with God. Amen. And uh, you will never regret it. Amen. Thank you for answering the question. Now, my mind is stimulated because I got some teens at the house. Oh. <laughs> okay, our next question is, can we read, this is from Facebook, can we read Romans chapter 3, verse 16? Romans chapter 3, verse 16. And this, and this verse was right after when we were reading about um, John chapter 3, verse mm-hmm. 19 through 21. The comment on below said, check on Romans 3.16. Okay, Jonathan, can you read it when you get there, please? Jonathan 3.16. Yeah, R- Romans 3.16? Oh. Yes, Romans, so Romans? Romans 3.16. 3.16, uh, okay. It says, destruction and misery are in their ways. Okay, uh, and Scotty, that it, what was the the question about that or the comment about that? They're just asking if we if we can read it, but I noticed it oh, was sure. right after uh, John chapter. Oh, talking about the the light. Yes, yes. Yeah, oh, well, that okay, makes okay. sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, destruction and misery are in their ways. Oh yeah, that's a, a that's a good connection as well. That's a great text to to use to to add to that. Yeah, destruction and misery are in their ways. Whose ways? Those, of course, who. Um, Love uh, darkness. Who love darkness, yeah. exactly, more than they love the light. Great, great text. Thank you so much for sharing that. All right, we're moving on to our next question, and this is about Halloween. Okay, yes. Is it still a sin if you pass out candy and Halloween to little kids, even when they still randomly knock on your door? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. All right. Jonathan, you want to, to begin there? So I guess the question is, is it a sin to pass out candy? Is that correct, Scotty? On yes, Halloween. sir. On, okay. on Halloween. I, and we have about 10 minutes left into the show. So. Okay. I mean, to pass out candy on Halloween, there's no, I, I can't think, well, I mean, there's a way you could 
perhaps say it was a sin, but I think that'd be a bit of a stretch. You know, there's no Bible verse that says not to pass out candy <laughs> on Halloween that I know of. Um, but whether or not I would actually do it, well, it, it does kind of, uh, you know, promote Halloween. Um, and I am from uh, the States, and what we do is we turn off the porch light if we mm. don't want people coming by for candy. Yeah. I don't know if you guys do that here, but... I don't know. I've People just don't come to my, to my house <laughs> during uh, <laughs> during those times. Well, I think, you know, sorry, keep going, Jonathan. Uh, that's pretty much all I had to say is uh, I, I, would, uh, I would avoid um, feeding into the... That... Uh, the holiday. Sure, the culture. Uh, yeah, okay. the culture. I, I don't think it's a it's a very uh, Christian culture to be in. All right, and we have a few minutes left, and uh, we'll, we'll try to, by God's grace, we'll see if we can answer the question, see if he can lead us. Uh, for me, when, of course, Halloween itself, the origin is, is pagan. And just because something is pagan doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. There mm. are many pagan things that have become a part of the culture that are acceptable. acceptable. Uh, you know, the American Thanksgiving, for, for example— uh, that's nothing wrong with it. We can we can celebrate that, even though it's not necessarily a Christian origin. Halloween is a little bit different, as with the roots of Halloween that goes back to, uh, I believe it was Ireland, and it goes back to the belief that on November one, I think, uh, the ghosts of our departed ones or demons they can come out and play tricks on you, and so they would have to give offerings of fruits and vegetables and uh, you know goodies in order to not uh, you know have them kind of come and haunt you. And then, of course, as the years went on, the church then decided to, to kind of take an opportunity to, well, the church compromised. And they ended up wanting to win these uh, pagan people into the church. And so they said, well, let's, it, it, we can call it uh, something else. And so they gave it a different name. I think it was All Souls Day or something. All Saints Day. All Saints Day. Okay, thank you. All Saints Day. And so uh, that's kind of where the roots are, the origin now, uh, and that's why they would give candy or fruit, fruits and vegetables or whatever they had back then, and they would pass it out, and they would dress up. And over the years, it has become what it is today. Mm-hmm. Now, first and foremost, uh, it's, it's commercial. It's a completely a commercial thing where a lot of candy sellers and costume makers, they t- take great opportunity uh, when Halloween comes around. They make a lot of money. But the second thing is it's also a spiritual thing. And Halloween has its roots in um, witchcraft. It has its roots in sorcery. And all of these things the Bible does condemn. And the reason why is because the source of all of these things is not God, but Satan himself. Mm. And so it's simply Satan wearing a mask to hide that he's actually there. The same... The same, uh, the same thing he did in the garden. Really, the Garden of Eden was where we had the record of somebody really wearing a mask. And that was Satan himself uh, taking possession of a snake in order to trick Eve to get her to eat a piece of fruit in order to disobey God. Mm. And so uh, it is not, it's not a safe holiday for Christians to practice only because of the roots of it are, are really satanic in origin. Now here's the here's the part that uh, here's yeah here's the part where I'm going to to kind of share also. Now, what would I do? What do I feel about trick or treatings coming to my door? Oh, I would like it very much. I personally have no problem for trick or treaters coming to my door because of this. It is one of the fir- of the few days of the year when people come to my door, and so if people are going to come to my door and they want something to eat, I have no problem passing out a healthy, I don't know, oatmeal raisin cookie or a healthy snack and a free Steps to Christ, a free literature, a Bible, whatever it is. I have <laughs> no problem with that. You know, there's no sin in doing that. You could, if people could come to my door and asking for, for, for food, I'm going to be happy to, to oblige. And you also have to remember, you know, when I was a boy, I used to go trick-or-treating also. Mm. And I know a lot of parents, um, you know, they, it's a hard thing for them as well. Uh, they can take their child and go trick-or-treating and all of that. And so, you know, if, if I get a parent and, uh, and a child come to my door and they knock on the door, I'm going to be happy to, uh, you know, to give them something. I'm not going to, I won't have any candy because, uh, you know, candy isn't necessarily good for you. 
but we may have something prepared that we can give to you as a gift. And that, I completely believe, is perfectly fine. If that's where you, you kind of feel safely convicted of, if you feel it's going to be too much of a problem and you feel like it's, it goes against your conscience, then, you know, you, please, you know, don't do it. That's completely fine. Mm-hmm. I remember we had a trick-or-treater uh, years ago come to my house and, you know, we had no candy. <laughs> we had no candy to give. And so my mom, she was still alive then, and so I thought, Mom, what do we do? I said, oh, son, let me give them some money. So she just gave them some money to, because they came and you know they were like you know these are these are neighborhood kids and they're relatives, and we understood that the parents were you know trying to give their kids a good time, but this is what I would say if um, if you're a Christian who loves the Lord and you happen to get uh, trick or treaters at your door and although you didn't invite them you didn't make your house look like a haunted house to invite them in and to, to attract them to your home, and they knock on your door. Uh, it wouldn't be a problem to have tracks ready. It wouldn't be a problem to have uh, the book Steps to Christ ready. It wouldn't be a problem to have um, your Bible ready. And it would not even be a problem if you said, before you leave, may I please offer a prayer for you? Amen. And that would not be a problem at all. So at least from where I can see. So yes, great question. However, I also want to also add that part that if you really sense personally for you that you cannot participate in it, I want you to know that that's perfectly okay, and that's Amen. perfectly understandable. And so, uh, yes, that's that's kind of where uh, where I would kind of draw the line. Yeah, I uh, I have a Bible verse. Yes, uh, please. Second Timothy chapter one verse seven. It says, "For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love." and of a sound mind. And I would say that the spirit of fear is the exact opposite of the spirit of love. Exactly. And uh, so partaking in that spirit of fear, we uh, partake in the spirit of love, we worship God. Mm -hmm. We partake in the spirit of fear. It seems like we might be worshiping something else. That's a great point. Great. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, that's all the time we have for today. It's been a real blessing. Thank you, Jonathan, for joining me today. And Scotty, always great to have you as as the co-pilot. And so we look forward to having you next week. But before we do, let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Lord, may you please bless us and be with us. And, O Father, may you guide us into greater truth that will lead us closer and closer to Christ. Bless our listeners and bless our callers. And, O Lord, um, draw our hearts closer to you. We thank you and ask a blessing upon all those who listened. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is Pastor Masik saying good night, and this is Jonathan saying good night. And God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime at Bible at joyfromradio.net. Submit them at online at joyfromradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfromradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.